0: verses 1 through 17. Now there was a Pharisee named Nicodemus, a leader of the Jews. He came to Jesus by night and said, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do apart from the presence of God. Jesus answered him, Jesus answered him, Are you a teacher of Israel, and you do not understand these things? Very truly, I tell you, we speak of what we know and testify to what we have seen, yet you do not receive our testimony. If I have told you about earthly things and you do not believe, how can you believe if I tell you about heavenly things? No one has ascended into heaven except the one who descended from heaven, the Son of Man. And just as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son so that everyone who believes in him may not perish but have eternal life. Indeed, God did not send the Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Let's pray. Bless, O Lord, the hearing of this word and your witness upon us. Amen. Would you pray with me and for me? Bless, O Lord, the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts, O Lord, our rock, our strength, and our redeemer. Amen. Jan Johnson, in her book, Enjoying the Presence of God, shares the story of an a wise advisor, a teacher of hers, that said, basically, you need to ask God what you need to know. And so she was determined to figure that out. And she went out into her backyard, sat in a swing, and said, Lord, I'm going to ask you what I need to know, and I'm going to be committed to listening to you if it's a few minutes, a few hours, or a few days. I'm going to listen. Well, that night when she went to bed, she had a dream in which a friend of hers who deals with a great amount of anger, a person she's been trying to work with over time, uh, and just was having nothing to deal with it, Just, just nothing, She dreamed about her and said, Lord, is she all right? And in this dream, she whizzes by her on a pair of ice skates going. (laughs) And in her dream, she says, Lord, should I stop worrying about her? And wouldn't you know, there she goes again on those ice skates, waving and grinning. She got up the next morning and shared this little uh, dream with her husband, and they both agreed that it was a bit out of the twilight zone, but that she might be getting the message that it's time to start letting go of things. It was Sunday morning when they shared that conversation, they went to church and the women were all being given bookmarks and there were a lot of them that were the cute kind with the cartoons and the flowers and the little sayings. Hers said, let go and let God. And if that wasn't enough, she spoke to a friend of hers after church whose husband was seriously ill with cancer and she, and the, and she shared with her, you know, I'm awfully worried about him but I might do him more good if I tried to do less to help so much. Everywhere she turned, the message was let go. Now she says, I don't know that these were messages from God and I don't know that they weren't. I do know that asking God questions opens us up to hearing truths we are likely to miss. Thanks be to God for people like Jan Johnson and Nicodemus because it was in Nicodemus asking the right question in the dark of the night that his life was changing. This scripture is a challenge to Nicodemus, and dare I say to us, to move from theory about our faith to living a life by faith. From a knowledge about faith to an experience of faith moved by the Spirit from a curiosity about Jesus to a true commitment to live in the power of the Spirit. Stuff moves us to these questions. And isn't it interesting that Nicodemus, for all of his faith experience, knew that something was missing? He's a leader of the Jewish people, a leader within the community. He's been in the government for years, and all in hopes that things would begin to be better, that people would pull together for the values that were central to Judaism of the day, to the culture and to the nation. But with the arrival of Pilate, Nicodemus and his optimism begin to flag the world's becoming kind of a mess. He's heard rumors about this Jesus, and he's getting some pressure from the government to do something about this fake king. And at the same time, what he's hearing about this Jesus fellow was offering a different kind of hope to people, and it felt irresistible. Being who he was and in the leadership positions that he found himself, it was way too risky to be seen asking these questions. So he goes at night, half disbelieving, half aching for everything he's heard to be true. And he says, Rabbi, we know that you're a teacher who's come from God. No one can perform the signs of your doing unless God is within you, which is another way of saying, are you the way we're going to survive the mess in which we find ourselves? Jesus told Nicodemus that he was going to have to stop believing in the systems to which he was comforted by and lived with Because processes aren't going to save him now. Instead, he must find himself rooted in something entirely separate from his experience. He's got to find his faith in God. Truth is, Jesus says, you've really got to be born from above. In other words, Nicodemus has yet to root himself in faith and not in the men who are making their living by supporting the throne and the governor of Rome, but in their faith in God. With a straightforwardness that put everything that he had learned on the back burner, Nicodemus is invited into believing in a way forward. We are so used to living life horizontally with logic and timelines and structure, and Jesus is here to invite us to begin living vertically. The chaos is never going to make sense until we do. Did you see in the news this week the story about Amanda Painter? The headline read this, She left her husband, he killed their children, just another day in America. Last week, Amanda's ex-husband, Justin, entered their home in Ponder, Texas, fatally shot her boyfriend, their three children, and then himself. He told Amanda that she was going to live because he wanted her to live with the pain. It's an unthinkable tragedy. Frank Lubach says it this way, We must learn to ask God to think his thoughts in us. Because this back and forth wrestling with Jesus eventually results in a heart that trusts in God. I would wager this morning that the hardest thing we can imagine is that we are spiritual beings. The narrator portrays Nicodemus as a learned man, impressed with his credentials. He's a Pharisee, a ruler of the Jews, a representative of the religious community. Jesus acknowledges his status. But he has yet to grasp and understand, as Jesus does, is that this faith thing is a relationship. Nicodemus is not wrong about concluding what he does about Jesus, but he hasn't yet made the connection that this has got to happen. And to really get it, he's got to be born again, born anew. Now in the Greek, born again and born anew translate exactly the same. Nicodemus thinks it's being born from his mother again. And Jesus is saying, no, 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 you gotta be born from above. Now what's important about this, this time in history is that where you were from, now get this connection, where you were from and where you were going said a lot about who you were. I'm a Samaritan, I'm a Gentile, I'm a, I'm a Roman, you know who you were, where you were from said a lot about you, and where you were going on their way told you something about life's business. So when Nicodemus hears it about being born again, he's forgotten the reality which Jesus invites is, which is be born of the Spirit so that you are a spiritual being, that you recognize God within you. Those who are reborn are shaped and sustained by the Spirit who bears them. To be born from above is to know that God is both in us, with us, doesn't leave us, and when it's time, takes us home. Truth is, we don't know what we are made of until we have the audacity to ponder Nicodemus' question. There's a former Navy SEAL by the name of Commander Denver, served 13 years in the Special Forces, and he often speaks at leadership events. At one event in which there were 6,000 people, he invited everyone to stand. You can stay seated. But to reach their arms up as high as they could reach, 12,000 hands all over the place, rise, rising as high as they could reach. And then he says, give me two more inches. Can't you just hear? Well, by golly, you looked out and you saw two more inches out of everybody. They had stretched to their toes. They didn't know until someone called it out of them that they had More. I'm here to tell you this morning that you are more than you imagined. You are more wonderfully made than you can even think you are because the spirit of the living God is within you. And it's not your choice. It's the way God made you. The choice you have is to live in that relationship Being born from above in a way that allows us to love God and be God's people. So why is it so important to recognize that born from aboveness? For this very reason, God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him has everlasting life. Jesus came in the flesh sent by God to save and to mend and to fix this mess that we've got right here so what does that look like isn't that the question it looks like when you and I are spiritual beings we we think about that we're living this way then the separation between heaven and earth disappear. That is the blessing. Because when Jesus says, so that you have eternal life, and he talks about the kingdom of God, they are the same reality. In other words, you may be living on earth, but heaven is in your presence always. Always. It's like Jesus' yeast and dough, always working, always moving, regardless of whether we can see it or not. The average Joe thinks that they're two different places, but I'm telling you, the eternal life of God is right here. When we receive eternal life, we enter into God's reign right now. Nicodemus has been stuck in his small image of faith that can be understood and contained and kind of walked along on this earth. But Jesus wants them to understand that this place of God being involved in our lives is going to be so exciting and transforming that, that everything becomes new Richard Rohr tells of a Russian iconographer named Andrei Rublev. Rublev was in the 15th century and he created an icon called the Trinity. In it, it's a picture of Jesus and God and the Holy Spirit right there, if you can see that. All three of them. Now, if you look down on the table, you see the cup. Right below the cup, do you see the square? Little hard to see, but there's a square there. Most folks don't see it. And most people in the art gallery don't see it. It's in Moscow, the original one. But when the art critics looked at this piece of art and the icon and they examined it, in that little square is glue. They believe that at some point in time in history, there was a mirror glued to that square so that when you came up to it to look and worship God the Father, God the Son, and the Holy Spirit, you saw your own face and recognized that there was a place for you at the table. Now you can be scared. (laughs) Because Jesus goes on to say that where the winds of the Spirit blow, you don't know. And Nicodemus, if you read between the lines, just about passes out. What do you mean where the Spirit blows? And, and does what it wants to. Nicodemus is a man who traces the lines of order in his life very carefully. He's terrified what being powered by the spirit might mean. And the origins of the unknowable one. Where is it going to take him? He just can't imagine what that might mean. Well, it means that you stop living this way. You may live this way, but you stop finding that to be your only reality. Heaven and earth the same? Jesus here? On the Verge is a book that has a story in it by the Community Christian Church. It must be a mega church. I mean, really, really big. The story reports that, that for 19 consecutive years they had growth, sometimes double digit. So in the year that they proposed an 18% increase in the budget, it wasn't unusual, but that's when it happened. The economy tanked. So as the year fiscal year begins, they realize that the money's not coming in. And it's first a few thousand, then it's a few tens of thousand. Now, I did say this is a megachurch, right? So by mid-year, they are $500,000 in a hole. Big plane creates a big hole when it crashes. And they start to talk about letting staff go and slashing the budget And the lead pastor said, hold on now. They were living this way. Circumstances in your life will make you live this way or at least tempt you to, won't they? So they said, we gotta pray. And they spent a Tuesday all day fasting and praying and they broke the fast on Wednesday at lunch. And the pastor said to them, okay, what did you hear from God? Silence, and more silence. Then Steve in IT popped up and said, well, I don't think we're supposed to be cutting back on our mission. I think we're supposed to be boldly moving forward. I know it doesn't make any sense. It was in that conversation that they decided that with all of that debt, the next Sunday they were going to let the congregation know that they were giving their offering the whole thing away to four projects. One was to a Ugandan village that was starving. Another was to a, a San Pablo organization in the Philippines, where children were being trafficked. The third one was a place, an inner city neighborhood near them, and had under resources. And so they were going to help support them. And the fourth one was for new church starts for people that had not heard of the love of Jesus Christ. They took the offering, and they got two hundred and fifty thousand dollars. Half of what they needed and they gave it away. The next year they gave four hundred and ninety thousand dollars away. And the year after that it was six hundred thousand. More than they had ever imagined. I'm just saying. When you live like this, the things that worry us here change. And the gifts of the Spirit change us. And it makes heaven and earth come right together. Thanks be to God that Nicodemus was willing to ask the question. Amen.